It is more in the morning, but this is Jason Agnew filling in for John Moore this morning. Some of our regular features, though, from More in the Morning remain. And one of them, of course, the morning brief. Joining me this morning, uh, you know, he's listed as a trusted advisor to business and political leaders, but he is the guy who mans News Talk 1010 during the holidays, along with myself and Richard Krause. Uh, it's the annual holiday celebrations here. Mark Tui, uh, welcome. You'll be doing the rush later today as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're the B team and proud of it. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, Mark, listen, I wanted to talk about all things funny with you this morning, uh, but we do have a very serious story, one that you were covering yesterday when you were hosting The Rush. Uh, you were on the air uh, when the news broke of OPP Constable Greg Purcella, uh being shot, uh, and then we found out that he had passed. Uh, how did this come into you, and what details did you learn? Yeah, it was uh, shocking. We have like you sort of plan out the show ahead of time we were getting into the final hour and most of uh, the topics were planned to be light and then we got uh, the word that there was going to be breaking news so we went to breaking news we learned about it from the ctv newsroom and uh, then switched into coverage of that breaking news because of course when you hear something as horrific as this at the time it was a shooting involving an opp officer who had been rushed to hospital uh two suspects uh, on the loose, people want to know about that. They don't really want to talk about the uh, the light stuff. So we reached out to Chris Lewis and uh, to Joe Warmington, who I know always uh, covers these types of stories and often has details. And it was while we were talking with Joe Warmington that he told us that he had learned that the police officer had died. Uh, we really didn't have any sort of other sources of that, and I didn't want to, you know, play that up any more than what Joe had said because I've also been on the other end where you have to notify next of kin. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I'd rather next of kin learn from the uh, police commissioner and the process where they have some support than necessarily from the radio. But uh, obviously all that stuff had happened already. And uh, we, uh, we were just sort of playing sort of catch up and grabbing pieces of information that we were able to get. So it was uh, a shocking uh, story for all of us and just one of those tragedies that you know happens from time to time, unfortunately. But uh, it certainly is a kick in the gut for, I think, everybody. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we're going to have Joe Warmington on in the next segment as well to get continued details. Of course, he's following along with the story. One of the details that I noticed, Mark, though, and I wanted to talk to you about just due to also your military background, is the SIU is not being called in here. Uh, this was not a matter of a shootout. It seems like the officer never even had a chance here. Yeah, it's uh, which which makes it even more horrible. It sounds like the officer uh, responded uh, to what would have been a pretty routine trouble call. And uh, I talked with Chris Lewis, former commissioner of the OPP, about this uh, very early on after the news broke last night. And the difference between rural policing and, and city policing and the fact that, uh, you know, a constable may be out there on his own in a rural detachment and backup for them might be minutes or hours away because they're just thinly distributed across the province. And, of course, there's a Six Nations police uh, force nearby uh, that was involved in this as well. So there was backup 
uh, available. But again, it's not like uh, a city police where you get a trouble call and you might have four or five police cars very quickly converge on the scene. That doesn't happen out there. So OPP officers, uh, you know, First Nations officers, they're often, you know, they have to learn how to be their own uh, their own backup for a lot of this. And, and that makes it even more challenging. Well, we'll continue on uh, following this story with Joe Warmington. But a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about, Mark, and I'm sure it was uh, a, a, the subject of a lot of chatter yesterday, as it was on every uh, <laughs> the tip of everyone's lips as far as news went. And that is the travel delays, the lost luggage, the travelers stranded. I was talking about it yesterday when I was in for Jerry Agar. You know, we, we thought things were getting better in the travel industry with airlines, but my goodness, the, you know, you take one look at the pictures at Pearson, and this is an absolute and utter mess. And you can blame weather. Can you throw fault on the airlines here for this? Yeah, I think you can throw fault on just about everybody involved on this. <laughs> uh, you know, there's lots of it to go around. I mean, the airport authority, you know, one a bad weather situation takes down one conveyor belt, and that kind of creates mayhem that they simply can't recover from uh, in any you know reasonable amount of time. Uh, that's a clear planning and management uh, problem, and it's an old infrastructure problem. And so, you know, there's there's costs behind having redundancy in the system. The airline. I think the the main failure of certainly the one that's talked about the most, Sunwing, is the communication. And anybody who's traveled even on a good day understands that the people in the terminal generally are not very good at communicating with passengers. And uh, that needs to get better everywhere. But, uh, you know, when you're running a charter airline, that's a little bit more difficult because a lot of the people that would be communicating with Sunwing's passengers in Cancun, I've taken that flight, maybe not on Sunwing, but I've been through there many times. They're not, I guess they're employees of the airline, but they're locals. And so I'm not really sure of the training that the local agents get. But uh, you also got to sprinkle some blame on the passengers. I mean, they were traveling in a major wind, major winter storm. You pick the cheapest airline to the mm-hmm. cheapest destination mm-hmm. with the cheapest fare. Uh, there's reasons why all those things are cheap. And that's in part because they don't have a lot of redundancy. Like a charter airline has very few airplanes. And so when one of them gets caught in a snowstorm in Tuscaloosa, uh, it's not available to go pick you up somewhere and you're going to wear that. So people have to take a little bit more responsibility for themselves. I'm not saying you don't go after the airline for what they owe you. Absolutely not. But think ahead, think of what might happen, and be prepared for that. That's a great point, and I think that one that a lot of people don't realize, everyone wants the lowest fare, but when you are trying to get somewhere, and if there's an interruption, if you are dealing with one of the heavies, you know, the WestJet or the Air Canada's of the world, there's probably another flight in the next six hours. When you're dealing with a low-cost airline carrier, there isn't, and you're stuck. Uh, So I hadn't thought about that, but that's absolutely a great point. Uh, Let's talk about the Freedom Convoy, Mark, because the Freedom Convoy, these words are popping up again. Uh, There was rumor that it was going to happen a second one. Don't know what they're protesting in Ottawa, but now it seems uh, Canada Unity, which is, I guess, the people behind this Freedom Convoy thing, saying that a World Unity Convoy will be going to Winnipeg peg from February 17th to 20th. If there's a city that 
I want to be in in February. It's not Winnipeg, Mark. Yeah, if there was ever any doubt about the intelligence of the people organizing this protest, it just went out the window. I, I lived in Winnipeg for many years, and it is a wonderful city. Sure. But it's a great city to be from. It's not a great city to be in in the winter time. It is too cold to do anything. And so the idea that you're going to motivate Canadians coast to coast to coast to go to Winnipeg in February, I think you're smoking some weird kind of rope that isn't yet legal and you should probably tone it down a bit. I'm trying, I'm still, I cannot wrap my head around what is being protested. I actually understood the the COVID vaccines and all of that. Not that I agreed with it, but I understood what the protest was, but that's done. So what's the protest now? I don't know. Uh, unless it's, this, and I would have thought there's a secret motive here because, you know, underlying this, they're trying to raise money and uh, they want to get some cash out of this. But clearly they're not smart enough to do that. So uh, at this point, I have no idea. It's kind of like the scorpion stinging the frog. It's just something they've learned how to do. And so they're going to keep doing it. All right, Mark, one more story uh, before we uh, take off here, and that is uh, the World Juniors. You know, this is a tournament that happens every year. It's it's a tradition for a lot of people to tune into this, maybe watch it with the family. Uh, It's hockey. It's Canadian. But Hockey Canada has had a lot of troubles this year. I don't know if you're a fan, if it's a tradition for you, but to me, the first thing I think of when I think of this hockey tournament is a scandal around Hockey Canada this year, real dark cloud around it. Didn't we just finish watching the World Juniors like about a month and a half ago? (laughs) Like, is this a perpetual everyday event now? I don't understand. I am not uh, someone who regularly watches the World Juniors. I'll I'll watch a game if it's uh, in a a bar and I happen to be having lunch or something like that. It's usually very exciting hockey if it's uh, two of the 3,000 teams that are involved. Um, I don't really understand why, you know, Jamaica versus Canada. To, you know, 150,000 to one is exciting hockey for people. But uh, I have, I will say that the the Hockey Canada cloud has certainly uh, uh, weighed in on this one in my mind, and I'm much less likely to go out of my way to figure out what's going on or even to talk about it than I was before. Well, we'll see if you talk about that. You're back on the air at 2 p.m. today with the rush, Mark Tui. Thanks so much for doing this this morning. Appreciate it. Th- thanks, Jason.